Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Chase, white circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Tay. Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up for Carpenter to slice and scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Zach Smith enters the Sabres zone, put it down the right wing here. Doc with the back, and he scores! Kirby Doc! Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines concerning your Chicago Blackhawks. Kane now with three, put it across the ring, and shoots, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer from the left circle. Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi again, everyone, and welcome into an unexpected, somewhat surprising Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I'm Chris Bowden, coming to you from home, so excuse a little bit of an echo here, but I'm your pre- and post-game host for Blackhawks Hockey on WGN Radio, and by now, you probably know the reason we didn't wait until Saturday afternoon for our next scheduled podcast, following the start of free agency, because those waters now include the winningest playoff goaltender in Blackhawks franchise history, Corey Crawford. That after the team informed him Thursday morning on the eve of NHL free agency that they have decided to move on from the two-time underrated, often underappreciated Stanley Cup winner who was extremely instrumental in those two titles in 2013 and 2015. You will hear from Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman himself in a moment on what went into that decision. And when we spoke with Corey about six weeks ago following his performance in the nine playoff games after being eliminated by Vegas, he spoke of a desire to remain in Chicago, to be the number one goalie, however, after expressing uh, how challenging it was for him personally to split duties with Robin Leonard this past season until Leonard was dealt at the trade deadline. And Corey also said that he would consider a hometown discount in order for the other two to work, knowing the Blackhawks salary cap situation. What that number would be after making $6 million annually on his last contract we won't know. Uh, there was an unconfirmed report that the Hawks did make an initial $3.5 million offer for the coming season that Crawford turned down, but no real uh, rumblings since then. And last week in a pre-draft Zoom press conference with the media, Stan was asked about Corey's situation and said that they still had more than a week to try and figure something out. Well, as you'll hear Stan say, though, it was a directional decision now by the organization to, at least publicly at this time, look towards Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen, who are in the system, played for Rockford last year, uh, they basically split duties with the Ice Hogs last season. Uh, those two absorbing the workload, along with the possibility of also resigning Malcolm Subban, who will also be a free agent Friday after the Hawks didn't give him a qualifying offer. That's all part of what now you will listen to for yourself. Stan Bowman's Q&A with Reporters Thursday, which began with the announcement that they are parting ways with Corey Crawford. I had a conversation with Corey earlier today, and uh, it was a bit of an emotional talk. Um, you know, Corey and I go back a long time. Uh, it brought me back to some memories of, 
when we first started with Corey. And I remember it was uh, early when I was starting as a general manager. We had a decision to make uh, over in Europe who we were going to keep, whether it was Corey Crawford or Antti Niemi. And uh, they were both young goaltenders, and um, they both played well. We had a tough decision, and it was more of a business decision back then, and Corey didn't need waivers. So we, I had to talk with Corey then, and that was a tough conversation uh, to let him know that he had played well, but we were sending him down to Rockford. And uh, to his credit, Corey uh, handled it the right way, went down, had a really good season. And that next year he came up and he was, he's been our goaltender ever since. And we had some incredible moments together. Uh, you know, looking back at this last stretch of time um, to be a, a two time Stanley cup champion, the only goaltender in the history of the Blackhawks to do that. I think it speaks volumes to his ability. Uh, he's up there with the legends for, for the Blackhawks, Tony Esposito, Glenn Hall, Corey Crawford, and, uh, you know, Corey stands tall as a two-time cup champion. Um, you know, looking back at his career trajectory, I think he never got the proper uh, recognition early on. We had such star-studded teams. And, you know, Corey was fantastic back in 2013 when we, when we beat the Bruins. And uh, I think his importance to our team grew and grew. Going to the 2015 team, I look back at, his performance that cup run. And I think, uh, you know, he was outstanding for us and uh, we never would have won it without Corey. So I think at that time people started to recognize really how um, important he was and how great a goaltender he was. He made it was overshadowed somewhat by some of the other players here, but uh, uh, I had a good chat with Corey this morning and um, you know, the, the message to Corey and to everyone else today is that, you know, we've decided that we've got some young goaltenders here in Chicago that we believe in. Much like Corey, um, you know, needed that opportunity when he came up after the 2010 season. Um, you know, he had been with us for a few years working his way up. We've got a couple of young goalies here in Lankin and Delia who we haven't given a, a real big opportunity to. But, you know, with where we're headed and, you know, the NHL is relying more and more on young players and uh you know, we're going to embrace that moving forward. I think we saw uh, some really bright spots, especially in the playoffs. You saw the way that Kirby took that next step. And we think he's just starting out, just scratching the surface. And, um, you know, we can we continue to give bigger opportunities to younger players moving forward. And that, that's something that's important to us. And you know, we spent a lot of time, um, you know, deciding on that. And we think that's the right move for us. So, uh, certainly wish Corey the best, have a lot of great memories, and uh, we, we thank him for an incredible career with the Blackhawks. Um, you know, and I think that the last couple of days here, we've been uh, building on the future even more with uh, the, the players that we were able to select. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, some of the things I want to cover today would be to talk about those players, uh, but I think it's it's important to, to get that message out on Corey and, and thank him for everything that, that he brought to the Blackhawks. Hi, Stan. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I actually just wanted to ask you on the uh, RFA front, we've seen reports that you guys have qualified Stroman Kubelik and uh, not qualified Kajula, Kukuk, and Subban. I just uh, wondered if you could confirm that. 
Yes, Tracy, that is right. Uh, and I, I will expound on that a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> you know, this is an unusual circumstance around the league, I think. You know, just in the news reports I'm seeing from teams, uh, we're seeing more and more players not get qualified. And I want to pro- provide a little bit of a, a background on that. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean these players won't be coming back to the Blackhawks. Uh, you know, I think in particular we've, we're hopeful that we can get Malcolm uh, signed. And uh, I think with the situation and the salary cap and players that have arbitration, you know, there's an uncertainty on where that would go with you know, the, the flat cap. And I think that's why you're seeing not only our team, but every team around the league is choosing to be cautious with that. So it doesn't mean that players who don't get qualifying offers won't be returning. I think certainly they're available to talk to other teams, but they're also available to talk to the Blackhawks. So uh, that was the decision that we made. And I think uh, it, it's a bit of a new world around the NHL. And this is probably the, the biggest reason why you're seeing those things happen. Hey, Stan, uh, just, just to clarify here, are you planning to go into next season without signing a, a, a free agent goalie? Do you expect it to be Subban, Delia, Lankin, and some combination of those three? Well, like I said, we haven't signed Malcolm yet. Um, so we're, we're hopeful that we can get him signed. Um, but uh, as I, I mentioned at the outset there, you know, we're, we're really looking forward to having uh, a different feel to our team and a, and a look with some younger players getting an opportunity. We saw that last year with uh, Boquist and with Kirby Doc, and now we're, we're looking as well to give some of these uh, younger goaltenders an opportunity. Stan, back to Corey for a second. Um, the decision to not re-sign him, it, was it more uh, AAV? Was it term? Uh, was it organizational direction this wanting the, to bring younger goaltenders like Dealey and Lankin in, into the picture how would you characterize why a deal was not struck with Corey especially coming off a great year for Crawford and you know an outstanding job under difficult circumstances in the playoffs uh, I would say it's more the direction that we're heading more than anything it, it's not it wasn't like it was a contentious discussion it was you know we spent a lot of time uh, talking about what the right direction was for us moving forward. And I think, you know, not just on our team, I think you're going to see a lot of different things in the NHL um, this offseason relative to uh, other years. Um, now, there's an impact league-wide, and I think uh, there is a uh, – maybe not every team, but a lot of teams are focusing on looking for young players that can take that next step and play a bigger role. Uh, and that's that's really more the the direction that we're headed than it was anything uh, that you, you know besides that. When you look at uh, the the influx of youth that that you have and uh, choosing to go younger, uh, could we see more of this in terms of uh, buyouts uh, and, and possible trades of veterans? And do you need to have a discussion with? Um, uh, Patrick and, and Jonathan, some of the other uh, longtime veterans of the team about um, this direction. Uh, as far as buyouts, we did not buy anyone out, so there won't be any buyouts. Um, as far as trades or the you know the rest of the team, uh, that's something that you know we're going to focus on as we move forward. We, you know the the situation with Corey was there was a deadline. 
you know, with free agency opening tomorrow. So that's really, we were focused on the draft and on that decision. There's other things that we're going to get to now, but, um, you know, we put a lot of time and thought into this. We didn't just rush into it. So now that we've uh, made that decision, the way that we're going to move forward, uh, there's going to be a lot more things that we're going to talk about over the coming days and weeks uh, as, you know, we get into the off season and planning next year's team. So those types of things that you asked as far as conversations, uh, those can happen in time. But, you know, right now, you know, the, the news we have to announce was that, um, you know, we're going with, with the younger look with the goaltending. Um, but there's also going to be some movement. And, it, you know, as far as potential free agent signings or trades, that's all stuff that, that can unfold in the coming days. Um, but there's not as much of a timeline on that happening. That, that will that'll unfold as it goes. In the past, you guys have talked a lot about, you know, just going with youth and, 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 and still trying to win at the same time. And this feels like more, uh, more action where you guys are committing to playing younger players. Uh, along with that, do expectations change in the short term? And, and how much did, you know, in the past, you guys talked a lot about being a playoff team and, and that being the focus. And, and how much with, I guess, Danny coming on, have you guys talked about that this is the approach that you need to be successful, I guess, further down the road? Well, we have had a lot of th- those, I guess you'd call them more philosophical discussions um, as opposed to tactical. And I think, you know, when we're going to continue to do that as, as we move forward, the goal is to really uh, move forward, though, with our team. We're not trying to do anything other than to grow through younger players and give them an opportunity. We're not going to have an entire team of young players. I think that's unrealistic, and I don't. I don't know that that's the formula anyone's using or that we're saying here. I think what we're trying to say is that we, you do have to have an opportunity for young players to get into the league and to play a role and to grow, because that's where you're going to see progress. That's how your team's going to move to becoming an elite team, and that's what we're striving to be. Uh, and I think the steps that you can take to get there would be to give the opportunity and then help those players grow into bigger roles. So I think if you just look back at last year on a small scale, you can see what we're talking about in Kirby Doc being the example. Uh, not everybody's going to have that same trajectory as Kirby. Uh, you know, he was able to ramp it up pretty quickly. Um, and he's a pretty special player. I mean, he's, you know, a extremely high draft pick. Um, and we think he's, he's got so much potential to be an impact player. So the fact that he was able to take those strides over a course of a couple months, uh, I think that, that speaks to how unique he is. I don't know if all the young players are going to have such a quick ramp up. But I think in general, when you look at young players, you've got to give them the opportunity You've got to guide them. You've got to give them the feedback. There's going to be some bumps in the road. But the idea is we're we're going to get more out of them as we go along. And we need more players to take steps forward like Kirby did. And when you have a number of those, that's when your team can really take the next step as a team. So you certainly need some uh, veteran players as well to guide them along who, you know, can can help through the process. So, uh, I don't think you have to 
make a, a statement where it's all or nothing. It's not all veterans. It's not all young players. It's going to be a mixture. Uh, and that's what we're looking for. We think we've got a lot of really good young players pieces here that are going to play a huge role. Um, but we want to incorporate even more going forward. We think that's the way to drive our team and to push us to the next level. I guess playing off that, uh, what are your expectations for Reichel uh, in the coming years and, and just in general, what are your thoughts on the draft class? Uh, I love Lucas and uh, his play, the way that uh, we saw him last year. And, you know, we were paying attention to him when we were in Berlin for the, the start of the season. Uh, I just remember noticing his – uh, his speed and how fluid he was on the ice. And you could tell he was a 17-year-old playing in the men's league. Um, and as we watched him progress, I, I went back again in, I think it was late January, uh, for a trip in Europe, and I, I got a chance to see him play. And it was a pretty impressive progression just for those couple months. Uh, and then I watched some games as well when uh, he played in February. I uh, didn't see those live, but I watched the steps that he took um, I'm really impressed with his overall game. Um, you know, the biggest thing for Lucas is just the a little bit of physical development. Um, he's got such great instincts uh, offensively, but also defensively. He really does play a two-way game for a young player. Uh, he's skilled, uh, but he also goes to the net, so he's not a perimeter player. Um, and for a guy who's not really built up physically strong yet, he showed a, a, a uncanny ability to be really good in the corners. Um, in some ways, I compare him to the way that Kirby can do it. You know, they they can spin off players, and even though they're not bigger than some guys, they can uh, find a way to keep the battle going and then come out of there with the puck. So we liked a lot of those things, and I think that that's something that you notice in a player, and those things are somewhat – tougher to, to coach and to teach. You can certainly work on their strength. You can work on some of the more technical things about their shot. Um, but those are more instinctive type things, the way that they can roll off players, um, their vision, their anticipation for where the play is headed next. Uh, those are the things that we noticed. And, you know, Lucas has all that. And, uh, you know, certainly with his physical development, that's something that he, he's taken some steps already, you know, in – in talking to him, going from, you know, the, where he was probably nine months ago, he, he's put on some weight, and we think he'll continue to train like that. So I think he's, uh, I guess you could say he's a little bit behind the development curve, but when you look at where he is already, and once he does catch up to some of uh, the other people physically, I think he's, uh, he's going to be a really talented guy. Hey, Stan, uh, how do you envision tomorrow – playing out across the league, obviously without the negotiating window anymore. Do, do you anticipate a bunch of signings happening at once, or could we see this get dragged into the offseason where teams kind of sort out their financial situation? Not sure on that. I, I think there probably will be a few guys that go real quickly, um, but I think if you're making more of a global statement, I think there's going to be some uh, – it might take a little bit longer – simply because there's a lot of players on the market. I mean, it's, it's a larger supply than there's ever been before. So when that happens, um, you know, I think everybody's operating probably a little bit differently, more cautious with how much money they want to spend um, and how much money they can spend with the cap being, you know, where it is. Um, 
So, you know, not only just this year, we know the cap's going to be, you know, set for two years. So we know that players that are looking at multi-year deals, it's got to fit not only now, but as you go forward. And every team has certain players that are up for new contracts in one year and two years. So there's, there's a planning that takes place as you map out your team in the coming couple of years. And uh, so if I were guessing, I think, it, you know, there's going to be some uh, maybe slower activity, um, but we'll see, uh, you know, that it might, it might not play out that way. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's probably a handful of guys that are in such an elite tier that they, they may go quickly. Uh, but I think with the quantity of players out there, there's going to be a lot of discussions and, um, and we'll have to see where that goes. Hey, Stan. Um, I just want to go back for, to Corey for a second. Do you think you guys would be making this decision if the set, if you weren't, if the salary cap a wasn't as you know, a flat cap as it is now and B that you guys aren't kind of in the salary cap predicament that you're in, that maybe you'd have a little more room to bring them back. Was that one of the big issues? It's, it's hypotheticals are tough, John. I mean, uh, uh, this is where we are now, so I, I, it's really hard to say what we would have done in a different circumstance. So I'm not really sure how to answer that. Stan, when we spoke to Mark Kelly the other night, uh, he made it clear that you guys tried to uh, move into the 9 or the 10 or the 11 spot in the draft, presumably to take Askarov. Um, how aggressive were you to move into that top 11? And, and what was that process like knowing the direction that you were going with youth and net? Well, you know, with the exception of last year when we were picking third, uh, I would say that's always something we've looked at doing each year is moving up. Sometimes it's, it's easier to do than others, depending on where you are and how far you need to move up or want to move up and how those teams value the pick. So, uh, you know, in order for you to move up or to move back, you have to find a, a team that there's a match for. So when you're calling up and asking, you know, would they want to move back? I think the teams that are in that 8, 9, 10, they're not that interested in moving back to 17. You know, they might move back to 12. Um, so we were trying, but th there just wasn't that much interest because in, for them, they, they felt that that's a big – that's the feedback I was getting is that – that's too far for us to go back. We're not interested in going that far back. So, you know, when that happens, then uh, you, you call around and you uh, see if there's any other opportunities. And when there isn't, um, you focus on your list and you make sure you get the player you're excited for. So uh, I don't know if this year was that much different. It was different than last season because we, we had the third pick. But, you know, each year we're always trying to get as high as we can. Um, but it it's tough. The, the, those top 10 picks, they rarely, they move, they don't move very often. Uh, so uh, we, we were very happy to be choosing at 17. And, uh, you know, like I said, we've been very um, excited for Lucas Reichel. I think he's going to be a player that you're going to enjoy watching. Sam, with Lincoln and Delia, how, how did you guys come to decide that you guys want to stand behind those guys? And, and are you at all concerned? I know it's a defense that's still allowed around 35 shots a game that you guys are throwing them maybe deep in the water, or is that experience what you're, what you're hoping, I guess, to throw them into? Well, the, you know, they're both young goalies, but they have had uh, – you know, they've been working their way up. It's not like they just turned pro right now. So, you know, in Collins' place, he's played 
uh, in the game. He's had a couple of really good seasons in Rockford, uh, Kevin as well. And, you know, looking at, I think it was impressive to see what Kevin did in the world championships. And that, that was, you know, in a lot of regards, best on best, you know, he took the, the Finnish team that, uh, they certainly had some star players there, but they also had a lot of uh, unheralded players, and he, he took that team all the way to the to the top. Uh, so I think he showed. I mean, it was a tournament, so it, you know it's a, a smaller sample, but it was a three week period of time when he played a really high level of hockey. Uh, so I think you know that gave us some belief that he could do it. And I think that with any young goalie, there's always an opportunity when you have to give them the chance and see what they can do. Like I said, we, we saw that with Niemi. We saw that with Crawford. We saw that with Ronta. We see that with a lot of young guys that they, they do need a chance to um, to get into the league and see what they can do. So uh, certainly it's, it's not – it is a team sport, and the goalie plays an important role, and it's not just, it's not just the defenseman. Uh, I mentioned this before. A lot of times it's your team commitment. It's the, the way that your forwards interact with your D. The five guys that are on the ice have to be on the same page and, uh, and the forwards have to be putting their defensemen in a better spot sometimes. I think we can do a better job that way. Um, and, you know, we're going to have some new players as well. So I think each year is a little bit different. It's hard to – we're not going to have the exact same players next year as we did last year. So to, to just – yeah, it's a natural question, and it's. I understand why people think that, but it's a different year. Like next year's different, and um, we're going to have a different em- emphasis, and we're going to have new players coming in. So um, we're not really looking back. We're we're looking forward to where we want to get to. We want to build something exciting. Dan, uh, do you have any update on where Brent Seabrook is at with his recoveries, rehab, and uh, are you expecting him to be in the lineup next season? And how does that square with this push for for younger players in the lineup? Uh, I, I don't have any recent update on his health, but I know. I mean, he was he was looking pretty good back in July. He was close to being ready to join us in Edmonton. So, you know, it's been a few months since then, and there's been no setbacks. So, I would imagine he's training. I know he's training, and I would imagine he's he's on track. So uh, like I said a little bit earlier, as far as what our team is going to look like and what role everyone's going to have, we're not there yet. We haven't made any of those decisions. We don't know what the the composition of players is going to be. So, um, you know, the announcement today was on Corey because we've spent a lot of time and focused on that. The rest of the team and where everybody lines up, that's going to be things that we tackle in the coming weeks and months. So um, I don't have any definitive statements on lineups or where guys stand as of today. As Stan spoke of making this roster even younger, beginning from the blue paint on out, that doesn't mean that a Kane or a Taves or a Keith will necessarily be moved. And their contracts would certainly be difficult to be moved anyway, along with the likes of Brent Seabrook. But nevertheless, while those cup winners and the likes of Brandon Saad and Andrew Shaw will no doubt express confidence in whomever that the Blackhawks will play in front of next season at goalie, uh, whenever next season happens, they'll also be losing a guy that they loved in the locker room, won a couple of cups with, and it's probably at this point a disappointment for all those guys and others in that room that Corey is moving on. And as you heard on the conference call, one thing that must change for the Hawks with this move 
versus recent years is to become much more effective defensively in front of the net for whomever comes next because you know, to be honest, Corey and Robin Leonard last season were needed in order to even keep this team in contention and eventually be good enough to be included in the expanded playoff. Those defensive breakdowns have been happening for a couple of years now, and those will simply have to stop with whoever is in the net moving forward. Now, Corey certainly has had a share of difficulties the last few seasons, including, you know, losing a huge chunk of time due to a pair of very serious concussions before bouncing back and looking strong this past season, even even stronger when Leonard was traded and he got the net consistently. But that was followed up by his coming down with COVID-19, missing all but the final day of training camp, nevertheless playing every minute and generally getting better after play resumed in Edmonton. Now he turns 36 on New Year's Eve. We know he loved it in Chicago, and he certainly did a lot for the Blackhawks after being a second-round pick in 2003. It took him seven years before he entrenched himself in that crease for most of the next decade with a couple of cups of coffee prior to winning those duties from Marty Turco during the 2010-2011 season. So 260 regular season wins, 26 shutouts, and a career 2.45 goals against. That along with the aforementioned 52 postseason wins, all better than eventual Hall of Famers Tony Esposito, Ed Belfour, and Glenn Hall. All of Chicago, including all of us on the Blackhawks beat, certainly wish a great guy well wherever he lands next end. Maybe by the time Joe Brand and I record our next Blackhawks Crazy podcast Saturday afternoon, we will know where Corey's landing, along with also having a better idea and better sense of the structure of this Blackhawks team for next season. Our thanks to Curtis Koch for putting this emergency podcast together, and thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Chris Bowden. Look out for us again on Saturday afternoon with your next Blackhawks Crazy podcast. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore Brand One. That was great!